Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Millennial Catholic. I'm your host, Andrew Miller, along with... You're not Father Scott. No, I'm not. I'm Christopher Feist, you, seminarian you, for the Archdiocese of Washington. I, I have another seminarian on the podcast. So, Chris, <laughs> which is weird because we also have a Chris that's going to be becoming a deacon here in like yes, we do. a week. Yeah, we see each other in the sacristy, and he goes, oh, hey, Chris. And I'm like, oh, hey, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a little background about yourself, where you come from, what, what you know, life growing up and all that fun stuff. And then we'll dive into all the fun stuff about seminary and how you be, decided to become a seminarian and <laughs> priest stuff. <laughs> Okay, awesome. Um, so I'm originally from Southern California. Uh, don't think like beach surf, think like middle of the desert. So I'm from a town kind of near, uh, Bakersfield is the largest town that most people recognize. Okay. Like, like they seriously, if you've ever seen Breaking Bad, like they could have filmed Breaking Bad in my hometown. Like that's, that's what it looked like. Anyway, I'm the younger of two siblings. I have one older sister and Growing up, my family was not really religious at all. Um, my parents were raised Catholic. Okay. But they had stopped practicing by the time they met each other. So I think we got baptized, but like, you know, mass every Sunday was was not at all part of the like kind of family plan. So I I take it the baptism was more to please the grandparents yeah, type of deal yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, so, so you grew up kind of, I guess, away from the Catholic Church yeah. would be the easiest way to describe right. it. I, I guess I didn't really know that we were, had been baptized Catholic. I think one time when I was little, I, I remember I asked my dad, does God exist? And I think I was in like first grade and he said, he's like, well, Chris, you know, I mean, people are kind of unsure and people disagree. He's like, I'm, I'm not really sure, but what I think is, is no. And kind of this, this is sort of why. And, and I just remember being like, all right, like, yeah, that's, that sounds legit. Yeah. Like <laughs> any, enough. any. Uh-huh. Young kid, like, uh-huh. whatever <clears throat> mom and dad say are pretty much going to be hmm. gospel truth. Yeah, exactly. To say. So how did you get back into the church then if you weren't really part of the church? Like, how did, so, where did this come from? It all started when we moved. So we were, I'm from Southern California. And then when my, when I started sixth grade, my family moved to St. Mary's County, Maryland. Okay. My parents are both civilians who work for the Navy, mm-hmm. and they both work on aircraft weapon systems. So the Navy drops the bombs in the middle of the desert where no one cares, but they test all the aircraft at Pax River in Southern yes. Maryland. I was Air Force for eight years, so I know the oh, location. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so have you heard of China Lake? Yes. That's, that, that's the base where we were. Okay. In California. Anyway, um, so... We moved to St. Mary's County, my parents are looking at schools, and they decided to send my sister and I to the local Catholic school just because they kind of liked it better, like just thought it was a better school. And so okay. so my sister and I start going there. Um, there was a discount if you were parishioners. So we actually registered at the parish. Just to get the discount. <laughs> yeah, get, we never went to Mass. <laughs> and, um, um, so then, you know, in Catholic school, I mean, I was kind of the odd man out in my class. I guess there were maybe a few other non-Catholics in the school, but... You know, and, and I kind of like would, you know, go to go to mass on Fridays. We had like the school mass and like, all right, just kind of I go through the motions. And then like they taught me how to like whatever, you know, cross my arms or my chest and I receive yeah. communion. And then. But that being in a Catholic school kind of just automatically served as a sort of introduction to the faith. You know? I mean, because you got to take religion class and stuff yeah, like exactly. that. So you're mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say you're being forced it, but uh-huh. you're kind of. You're being exposed yeah. is the better... Yeah, exactly. We had... It was like, you know, we had classes, we read the Bible, the priest was around. 
We were going to mass and stuff. asking questions, things yeah. like that. And so it, it really did start to rub off. And I, especially I had some pretty good teachers who were, who were good at like, they were presenting the faith in like a pretty solid way. And I just had some really solid friends too, um, peers who were kind of like on fire for their faith. And they were also like, you know, some of the smartest and nicest people in the class. It's like people you wanted to be around. Mm-hmm. And, um, so probably by around seventh grade, I was starting to think like, wow, maybe I, there actually is kind of some truth to this. I started praying too. And so just, I think having that relationship with God yeah. probably counted a lot for a lot more than the kind of like intellectual, like being presented with things in class. Like I, I had this sort of relationship running and that, that sort of disposed me to like, yeah, what, what the teachers say in class is probably, probably legit. So this just idea of talking to an, mm-hmm. a being mm-hmm. that exists, but you can't see. That a lot of like that faces a lot of people like they're like well you know, you know giant sky daddy mm-hmm. spaghetti monster in the sky uh-huh. type of ideas or you know like you're talking to Cthulhu or something. Mm-hmm. Especially for someone that young, kind of like almost feels fantastical or fake. Mm-hmm. Did did you get that feeling? I, was it? I think it was like it's maybe because I was young that I like didn't question it so much. It just kind of, and I don't know, I just got, like, got the sense that, you know, someone was listening when I prayed. And it was backed up pretty well by, by the actual, like, classes, you know. So it wasn't, it wasn't as if, you know, this was like, there was nothing substantial there intellectually. And, like, I was, you know, talking right. to my imaginary friend. And um, I think, and, and more of that got built up along the way, especially once I went into high school and stuff. Kind of got more, got a lot more of the, like, um, kind of philosophical backing for like existence of God and, you know, having a relationship with him and, you know, Catholic doctrine and stuff. So how did, how did you tell this to your parents that you were, you were, so you were quote unquote coming back into the church? So it was kind of interesting. The, so, you know, it's a Catholic school. So the eighth grade class gets confirmed and the school came to my parents and said, you know, do you want your kids to get confirmed with the rest of their class? And my parents actually encouraged us to do it. They, Interesting. They were like, um, hey, like, you know, it's up to you guys, but you should do it because you'll kind of like have it in the back pocket if you want to be religious later. You know, they were like, um, such a like, very well, interesting yeah, take yeah, on yeah. this. They're sort of like, yeah, I mean, if you decide you want to be, you know, Catholic down the road, like, you won't have to go through our CIA or anything. They're just like, yeah, just kind of grab it now while, you know, while you're passing through. And then, like, boom, you've just got it, you know, back pocket later. And my, I think my dad was like, yeah, you know, if you go to a wedding and you want to receive communion or something, like, boom, you're, like, you're, you're all set. <laughs> Looking back on that, I was like, dad, no. That, that's not how that like, works. But, uh, of course, you know, at the time, you're like, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And also, I'm, at this point, I'm, I'm really coming around to things. And then, um, so my sister's one year ahead of me. So she okay. goes through the, like, um, confirmation prep, and it's kind of like, whatever sort of like you know weak sauce fantasy oh jesus loves you you know he's all hugs and butterflies and typical it kinda, 80s type yeah, of it, theology it bounced right off her like she you know after getting confirmed basically hasn't been back to church very often since um so my year comes up and the school actually hired a new director of religious education and he was um just this on fire guy like a lawyer from philadelphia who had quit his job to go teach CCD because he thought God was calling him to. That's insane. So, like, <laughs> he, was, he was smart. He knew all about the faith. He was on fire for it. And he also just had this awesome way of relating to us. Um, 
And so we, we kind of became friends. He became my sponsor. Uh, he ramped up the program a lot, like a lot of more kind of solid doctrines, all like, you know, theology really, and yeah, like really calling us to like prayer and virtue and actual, you know, stuff. actual teachings compared to, yes, Jesus loves you, but uh-huh. why? Yeah. Cause he does. Uh-huh. So more of this is why. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, I mean, and parents, one person, man, that's all it takes. Yeah. I think my parents were just kind of like, my dad was like, eh, whatever. All right, cool. You know, you do you. A mom was also kind of coming around. It was like, I mean, I wanted to go to church and I needed a ride because I couldn't drive. So mom, right. mom would take me. So it was like mom and I you know, were the two going to church in the family. So you get out of high school. Did you go to college? No, so I went to seminary right out of high school. So you're, so I'm you want to be a lifer. Uh-huh. I guess it's just a gradual progression, then, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you start going to a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. You have this really great CC, CCD mm-hmm. instructor mm-hmm. that kind of lights up your world. Mm-hmm. So what happens in high school that kind of pushes you into that direction of going to to seminary? So the summer before high school, I had a friend whose brother was a seminarian. And every year, the Archdiocese of Washington puts on a summer camp called Quo Vadis for um, like high school-age guys thinking about the priesthood. And so basically, for a few days, um, seminarians and all these guys will kind of gather at Mount St. Mary's Seminary, and um, we just sort of like play sports, um, hang out, and there are a lot of like talks about, about the faith, about growing in virtue, and about what seminary is. So I went on that, and that was my first like real exposure to kind of seminarians and vocations <laughs> and the idea that like I you know could that was the first time like the possibility of being a priest was kind of open to me and I I was kind of instantly hooked like I I loved it from the first camp I was like man this is this is cool like seminarians are cool guys like I this I is what I want to do this, yeah, is, yeah. this is this is awesome and so high school was it was kind of a lot of discerning whether. I, I was asking God, you know, is like, is this what, what you want for me? Or is this just like something I think is kind of cool? And like, I'm, you know, I'm all about cause, cause like whatever we had fun at summer camp and yeah. I'm trying to like discern a like deeper call. Com- yeah. Like it's the, kind of or the more like, ah, oh, yeah, summer camp was fun. I want to go back. And then you look uh-huh. back and you're like, man, summer camp sucked. Yeah. <laughs> so that was going into your freshman year. Yeah. And then did you keep going back or was it kind of one of those things that you kind of did it once you felt like it wasn't really your calling and then you went back later and then realized that. So I kept going back. I kept going to um, these events. I had a spiritual director in high school, a priest who was kind of a mentor for me. And um, I think maybe around junior year, some kind of fear started creeping again. I was basically, I was afraid that I would go to seminary and then discern out later. Cause it is a long road. If you start out of high school. Yeah. It's like eight it's, years. It's eight years. And I was seeing other guys from Southern Maryland discern out. So like the guy that, you know, the first guys that I had met who were like, the, you know, like super cool, yeah. you know, older seminarians, you know, when I was a little like freshman, like now they're all leaving and they're becoming like, you know, you know, youth ministers and like, <clears throat> I was like, all right, that's cool. But like, I don't, I don't really want to like go be a youth minister and I don't want to just discern out. So senior year, I kind of had to make, make a decision. And, um, I basically just, I, I realized that like the the call that I felt to, to go to the seminary and to give it a try was just kind of too big to be ignored. I was like, I, ha- I have to go see at least. And so I met with the vocation director. We went for it. We're five years in now. And like, it's only grown since. So, so that's, you decide, okay, I'm going to go. Worst comes to worst, I had to start out and I just go uh, 
back to college and become like a teacher or whatever. Yeah. I, I don't know mm-hmm. what you wanted to else what you wanted to be, but I'm just no. going to go with teacher because that's what Father Scott was. So that was just the easiest thing yeah. to do. So how do you, or how did you like that? That obviously that first week or the first like couple months is like culture shock because mm-hmm. you're you're going in and you're waking up at five o'clock in the morning. Now you're doing you know morning prayer and mass, and then you're getting breakfast, yeah. and then. Oh yeah, by the way, here's a massive workload of school uh-huh. you have to do. How how hard was that to get used to? How how Um so it was it wasn't it wasn't too much of a culture shock. So I I had been doing liturgy of the hours on my own. I'd been praying a holy hour. So like some of the prayer load wasn't too much it, like it was definitely a step up from what I had been doing. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of a gentle step. Um I also went to seminary with three other guys from my high school class. Oh, so you had like a little yeah, yeah, friend exactly, group already there. Exactly. So like we had it, you know, it was it wasn't like we were totally alone. And um and you also you bond pretty quickly with guys. Um all shared know, dream yeah. makes it a lot easier. Exactly. So. <laughs> um but it was it was tough. Um I think the toughest part was probably uh, what we call formation meetings. So um, once a month as part of the program, uh, you would sit down with a priest um, for about an hour who's your formation advisor. And he's basically just like, you know, how's your whole life going? And so that kind, that kind of, that level that, of accountability. How's your whole life going? I don't know. I'm just here. Yeah, I'm like exactly. living my life. <laughs> and and um, I, I was like 17 at the time too. So I was like, you know, this, like, this is just out of, out of my depth. And um, I was like, I don't, yeah, so I think kind of, yeah, having having it, things were just a lot more intentional about our formation. Like it was kind of okay. Are you growing these virtues? Are you are you making progress? Are you working on things? Whereas before it was just like, yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of you know, live my life day to day, like get get done what I need to. Um, that was a little bit of a culture shock. Um, not too much else was though. I was pretty you know steeped in kind of like almost the like kind of pseudo like seminary and wannabe. Yeah, you're like before, so you're just, like I'm, I'm yeah, like I'm on the coattails yeah, of all these yeah, others. Just, so just went from like kind of seminarian wannabe slash groupie to like seminarian. You know? So, so not too terrible. But <laughs> so I guess what was the hardest part for you to to coming into seminary? Then you're you know you're five years in. You got like three years left before you get ordained. You're mm-hmm. kind of you're over the hump essentially. Mm-hmm. You're on the downhill until you start to climb again. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was that hard part for you? What was that that one step that you really needed to take that was kind of just blocking you out from like really going into the deep end? I think the hardest part was being willing to be kind of totally vulnerable in formation. So I mean, the, I mean, the way seminary formation works is you you get your spiritual director and you get your formation advisor and you get people who who are trying to help you grow closer to the Lord. But I mean, the amount that they can do is going to depend on how honest you are with them, how kind of like totally transparent you are. We talk about a lot about kind of trust and transparency and vulnerability. And I, I was pretty scared to do that. I think I had a few, a few things, a few vices that I was like, just kind of a little unwilling to share was I was too scared of being rejected. I was like, if I, if I really show you kind of the hardest parts about about, you know, my relationship with the Lord, you know, you'll, you'll see them the way I see them and you'll kind of reject me the way I've, I've rejected myself there. Mm-hmm. But it was around junior year that I kind of like finally, you know, really found the courage to like just totally open up 
And that, that was a turning point for me because it was, it was just realizing that like, you know, the Lord, the Lord never turns us away, even from kind of the worst parts of ourselves and good seminary formators are, are like the Lord and they don't, they don't turn you away either. They, they help you out. I mean, I can, I can definitely see that where you're coming from because you're like, if you ever go even try to have a conversation with someone you think is like a close friend and you tell them that you're mm -hmm. like, you're hurting, you're struggling with something, they'll kind of mm -hmm. like laugh it off or do mm -hmm. something. And you're like, no, like seriously, this is something I'm struggling with. Mm -hmm. So like, I, I, I can see that I can, mm -hmm. I get that because like, if, if I can't handle it myself, mm -hmm. what are you going to be able to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think it would probably, it would be very hard to take that step and being mm -hmm. like, yes, these are all of my struggles. Mm -hmm. Help. Yeah. And actually having someone be like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, I struggled with that in the past, too. Mm -hmm. This is what helped uh -huh. me or whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I guess the question is, there, when we were doing <laughs> drive, when we were doing drive-through confessions, mm -hmm. we used to get all the seminarians coming through mm -hmm. because... Apparently, we were the only place to get confessions <laughs> during a pandemic. I don't know why. Mm. Um, there was this interesting thing that we would have a lot of people from uh, uh, St. John Paul II Seminary come. Mm. And they're like, oh, yeah, I can't see that priest. I can only go see this priest. So I'm like, mm -hmm. what does that even mean? Why is mm. that a thing that for confession, mm. you can't go to you know, a certain priest, but you can go to other priests? Oh, yeah. So in... Seminary formation, you know, part part of the seminary's job is to help you. Yes. And another part of the seminary's job is to evaluate you, to to make a judgment as to whether or not you should be ordained. So there are some priests in this in the seminary whose job it is to vote on actually whether you advance. So those priests are what we call external form. Um, they're part part of their job is making an evaluation of you, and it's it's a public evaluation. It goes on a record. It goes. It gets sent to your vocation director and your bishop. So those priests cannot hear your confession because if you told them something in confession, I murdered a person last night and now you must. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. They couldn't, they couldn't do their job. They couldn't evaluate you. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't say that they would, they would be put in this really, you know, weird conflict of interest. Well, that's interesting. Well, I mean, I guess that's so interesting because we always think of priests as like, especially when they're in the confessional that they, they are held to eva you know, they are held to silence. Mm -hmm. Like there is nothing that anyone can mm -hmm. do. They will go to jail before they can, you know, mm. someone, you know, Father Scott says to the police officer that, yes, he did go murder that uh -huh. man, so go arrest him. Uh -huh. Right. His his job is to say, you should really go turn yourself in because it is the right thing to do. Mm. But yet, if he were to go talk to my wife, he wouldn't be able to mention it. Mm -hmm. So it's just, just this weird idea that you can't, you actually cannot go to certain priests mm -hmm. because... Yeah, because their job is, is, is there, to tell your bishop. Yeah, I yeah. know. He, I know he murdered a guy. Yeah. He should probably not be ordained. <laughs> yes, like it's just, it, it's just so weird mm -hmm. from an outside perspective. Mm -hmm. And I, I eventually got to know a lot of the seminarians and who like their formation director was, and of course, mm -hmm. or you know, their their evaluators were. But like, I still had no idea what that meant. Like that mm -hmm. meant nothing to me. I'm like, why mm -hmm. would it? Yeah, I go talk to my supervisor all the time, and uh -huh. he's the one that tells me that I, you know, I'm doing great or I'm, you know, mm -hmm. not doing great. Like that doesn't compute to me mm -hmm. as an outside as an outsider. So it's just this. That's just a really weird mm -hmm. thing. So you got three years left. Yep. What what is what is over the next three years for you? So, uh, so I went I went to St. John Paul II right out of high school. Um, I went to the seminary for formation. I got my bachelor's in philosophy from Catholic University. Now I'm at Mount St. Mary's Seminary. Over the next three years. 
I'll get a Master's in Divinity and a Master's of Arts in Moral Theology. So over the next three years, it's kind of more more classes. Um, I'm also a Navy chaplain candidate. Ooh. So hopefully... Exciting. Yeah, depending on whether the bureaucracy wheels turn as they should, hopefully next summer I'll go to boot camp in Rhode Island and be a... Um, so is that, would that be OTS? Yeah, o- ODS. Yeah, Officer Development School. School. Yeah. And so I'll be uh, an officer in the reserves for the Navy, kind of um, doing my training, getting ready to be a chaplain down the line. Um, in two years, I'll be ordained a deacon, and so I'll you know, kind of do my I'll do my final year of seminary as a transitional deacon, and then be ordained, God willing, in June 2024. So, all hoping. Would you, do you want to go active for chaplain, or do you want to stay reserve and kind of hang out? Yeah, no, here, I, I, like it's it's weird because like you'll still be a diocesan priest, <coughs> but you'll be on loan to the archdiocese of the military. That's right. Yes, I know all so, these things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I very much would like to go active duty and um, hopefully deploy far away with the Marines or the Navy. Don't get to carry a weapon though. No, I do not. No, that's what your uh, chaplain assistant is for. Mm-hmm. So do you have any? Any words for anyone who's discerning to, you know, go to seminary or maybe they're, mm-hmm. they're kind of on the fence. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, they don't know, mm-hmm. like, should they mm-hmm. go to like a retreat, mm-hmm. you know, one of these like summer retreats that if they ever happen yeah. again next year or so, whatever. I mean, yeah, obviously definitely biggest piece of advice are one pray, like build that relationship with the Lord. That's, I mean, that's your bedrock. That's going to let, that's what's going to let you hear the call and answer the call. So daily prayer, building that trust in God. And second is like, don't, don't discern alone. You know, um, there are priests of of this archdiocese and every diocese whose job it is to help you discern. That's called the vocation director, at least in the archdiocese of Washington. I know that we have annual discernment retreats. We've got Kovati's for, um, high school age men. Mm -hmm. And then if you're out of high school, we've got, um, the men's discernment retreat. That's usually in, uh, kind of around springtime of Easter every year. That's run um, from St. John Paul II Seminary. So that's for like college, working, you know, whatever. I mean, and it's a couple of days where you can come on retreat, uh, see the seminary, see a little bit of what it's like, and hopefully hear the Lord. But yeah, I mean, there, there are tons of resources available. I mean, biggest thing, if you're considering a vocation, pray every day and talk to a priest, either your pastor or, you know, if he's if he's not necessarily helping you out, you know, you can maybe uh, contact your diocese vocation director and, and they'll put you in touch with someone. There's, there's a lot of resources available to kind of help people out. There's no reason to try and figure it out alone. 